What's up and welcome to the I-70 podcast where we are talking Missouri baseball. We are on the MTMV Sports Podcasting Network. Sports fans rejoice. It is my team, my voice. So you are here on the I-70 podcast with myself, Eric Boston, and the one and only Farron Peterson. What's up, buddy? Hey, not much, man. How's it going? Dude, I mean, it's good, man. I'm in a Hopefully the back end of what's been a long couple of weeks stretch at, at work and, and everything. Uh, you know, sitting here on a uh, Friday night, getting ready to chaperone a little high school dance. So that's fun, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, definitely excited to talk about uh, what has been going on or maybe even a little bit of a lack thereof. Um, during the month of January, in regards to the Royals and the Cardinals, you know, I know last month we were talking about how we expected maybe to have a little bit more content uh, on this this show. You know, we thought we'd get into you know the later stages of the off season as spring training is just around the corner, and we would expect to see maybe some of those smaller moves that you know a team like the Royals or uh, you know the Cardinals they made their big moves early in the off season. You know, but they definitely could be looking to you know, kind of just flesh out that roster a little bit. But what we've found over the last month is that there's just not been a lot happen. No, not a whole lot, man. It's kind of a slow off season, unfortunately. Kind of of boring if you were to ask me. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there there was not a whole lot, you know, me as a Royals fan – not a whole lot to get excited about. I mean, they did make a recent move, which we're going to talk about here recent or here in a, a minute. Um, that is potentially exciting, I guess, depending on how you view it. But yeah, I mean, no, nothing big, nothing major, nothing that's you know really adding to the potential outlook of 2019 uh, from where we were a month ago. So right, yeah. And- it's kind of, kind of league wide though. I mean, if you just if you're if you're talking about the whole league, take the Cardinals and the Royals out of the conversation. I mean, if you're talking about the whole league, it's it's kind of the same way. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement either way with free agency. I guess you should say, um, but maybe things will start picking up here. Right. Closer yeah. To get the spring turning. Of course, you still got the big dogs in Machado and Harper that are still floating out there, unsigned at this point. Which I mean. Excuse me. It's kind of becoming almost just par for the course. It seems like now, where these big time players are signing later and later into the off season. So, yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it it, it kind of worries me a little bit. Um, I mean, I know I know these players want to get the most money that they can, but. Um, and the owners, they're, they're obviously trying to, trying to spend the least amount of money as they possibly can, you know, baseball is a business, but, um, I mean, you, you take, for example, the Cardinals going into last season, we signed Greg Holland on opening day, I believe it was. And, um, that was a really late signing and it, and it seemed to be a great signing at the time, but, uh, you know, we have 2020 hindsight now it, it didn't work out at, at all. So it's so it's like for all these other players that are going to be signing, well, you'd hope that the deals get done pretty soon. That way they can go through spring training and get all their workouts done and, and get prepared for the season and not 
is jump straight into it come April. Right. Um, and have a time, have time to prepare. Certainly, certainly. So, I mean, let's just kind of jump into uh, a little bit of what has taken place over the last month. And why don't we start with your Cardinals uh, there, Farron. Uh, what really, you know, caught your eye or, or what was, you know, the big headlines uh, out of St. Louis during the month of January? Well, I mean, I think it's just a lack of, a lack of moves, really. I mean, if you if you follow Cardinal Nation on Twitter, you see Cardinal fans kind of upset that we haven't shown any interest in Bryce Harper, which is, um, you know, a lot of fans want him. A lot of them want Manny Machado. I mean, I guess every team out there wouldn't mind having either of the two, but um, that's really been the, the talk of Cardinal Nation over the last month is just a, a lack of interest in these uh, two free agents. You know, you don't see two guys, you know, 26 years old hit free agency that young, you know, both all-stars, perennial all-stars, MVP candidates almost every year. Um, and just a, just a lack of involvement to this point seems to be irritating a lot of Cardinals fans, myself included. I know we did make a big trade with Goldschmidt earlier in the season, which is huge, and I think we'll be doing pretty good next season. But speaking of Goldschmidt, there was some news that came out earlier today. Well, I say news. It's rumors is what it is. It's not from a verified source, but a guy I follow on Twitter, um, Hunter Ives, which I, I trust him, and I, I really like him. He does a lot of really good work uh, uh, for Cardinals Nation 24-7. Um, he had, he had uh, shared some information he, he received from his sources that the Cardinals and Goldschmidt are actually working on a five-year extension worth about $139 million. Um, and, you know, it's got incentives incentives involved, uh, included and no trade clause. But um, like I said, that's not verified. Uh, Mark Saxon seemed to shoot that down. But but Hunter, I, I think he's, he's got good sources. He doesn't, he doesn't, this would be out of character for him to just come out and make something up like this. Um, there's a couple of other insiders like Cardinals Live. They seem to verify this as well, that the Cardinals are working on an extension with Goldschmidt. Um but I mean, I don't, I don't buy into all the sources, you know, that you see on Twitter or all the rumors that you see on Twitter saying this and that's going to happen. The Cardinals are interested in these players and these trades, but, but this is something I could, I could actually buy that I think could actually be happening right now. And maybe we'll see something pop up over the weekend, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get a deal done. Certainly. I mean, I think curious to see. I, I, I'm not surprised that they would be talking about an extension. I don't think you make that deal to bring him over from Arizona if you don't plan on him being there beyond 2019. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just you, you don't give up those assets. You don't go out and get one of the best players in the game. I know that you know perhaps age is a little bit of a consideration here because uh, yeah. he is in his early 30s, um, and so what a, a five year deal put him to like. What is age like thirty six, thirty seven season probably right around in there? Yeah. So yeah, I mean he he's on a contract this year, obviously, and if the five year deal kicks in starting next season, let's say, um, yeah, it would take him through his thirty seven year old season, I believe. 
Okay. So, yeah, that's not surprising there. Uh, so d- definitely something that Cardinals Nation could keep a, an eye on uh, going forward here because I would expect a deal to get put in place at some point. Um, may not be during the offseason, but at some point, at some point. Now, you guys did have a, a bit of a, a fun little thing happen. I mean, depending on how you look at it, I, I think it's kind of fun. Um, you had a little back and forth with Chris Bryant at the Cubs. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, it's kind of funny. Chris Bryant had came out and said that uh, St. Louis is uh, is boring and who would want to play here and – he was on a – it was kind of like – I don't even know what it was. It was some sort of winter meeting that the Cubs have, and he was on this mock late-night show with Ryan Dempster, former Cub, and uh, they were they were just bad-mouthing the Cardinals. And then you see Yadier Molina get on Instagram and call Chris Bryant a loser. It was kind of funny, actually. Um, I think it was I think it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, – yeah, it was it was kind of offensive to to Cardinal Nation. I mean, just I don't know. We we don't like the Cubs. They don't like us. So, <laughs> but but it was it was pretty funny. If you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a good thing to see in baseball. I mean, you don't necessarily see players yeah, going like at each other very often. You know? get back. Yeah, we'd like to see this rivalry get get started back up. I mean, obviously, we are rivals with the Cubs. But I mean, it's it's good to have a a pretty good rivalry going in going into next season. I'm curious to see when Chris Bryant comes up, you know, to the plate, you know, for the first time at Bush Stadium, what kind of booze he's going to get. I imagine there's going to be a loser chant going around Bush Stadium. But oh, it's gonna uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be something big. Uh, I mean, you, you got to wonder, you know, do the players do something? Um, you know, I, I remember I went to a Red Sox game uh, a few years back and they were playing Tampa Bay. And it was the first time that the two teams had played since the previous uh, playoffs and David Price, this was before he got dealt from the Rays. Uh, he was starting uh, David Ortiz first at bat that he comes up the very first uh, ball out of David Price's hand drilled big poppy just square in the back. Uh, because they had, you know, the two teams had had, um, well, obviously, you know, they're division rivals, and they'd had kind of a testy playoff series. Um, so, you know, could we see something like that whenever you get Chris Bryant stepping into the the uh, batter's box at Bush? You know, could, could there be some yeah. sort of actual retaliation or physical interaction between those teams? Yeah, I, I really think there actually could be. Um, I mean. Chris Bryant, he came out and apologized and said it was all in, all in fun that he, the comments that he made. But, but I honestly could see him getting beamed his his first at bat. Um, but I don't know. It, it's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to tell what's going to happen. I am curious to see though. But but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked at all if there's some sort of scuffle. Oh yeah, when I, the, I, I think Cardinals play. I think if they throw at at Bryant in his first at bat, you're going to see some benches clearing, which, you know, from a fan's point of view, I don't know, it's fun. Like, in that same game, uh, later on, it didn't happen whenever he hit uh, Ortiz, but um, another ball got away from Price a couple innings later. 
uh, went up around the neck of Mike Carp and everything. Everyone came out of the woodwork for that. I mean, it was and and, and, be, and sitting there in the stands, it's like okay, there, here's some excitement, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Full. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want right. to see Chris Bryant get a ball thrown at his head or anything like that. I mean, it was it's comments that were made. I don't think he should have said them. Um, but I think the Cardinals, they, they might send a message to him, you know, maybe throw at him, maybe get him in the back or in the leg or something, you know, just yeah. kind of say, hey, you know, not cool what you did. But, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to see anybody get hurt or, or a big brawl break out or anything stupid like that. But, certainly, so certainly. Maybe send him, a, send him a message and maybe he'll keep his mouth shut. So... I'm going to switch it over to the other side of the state and talk about the Royals for a minute here. Uh, you know, nothing as exciting as uh, as Kansas City being called a boring town or anything like that to report. But um, one pretty cool thing that recently happened is the Royals and Whit Merrifield agreed on a contract extension. Uh, it was for four years. And basically what they did is they bought out his um, – remaining years of arbitration tagged on the option for that first year of what would be free agency. And honestly, it was at a pretty good rate when you consider a player of Merrifield's ability, um, coming in right around 16.25 million for the contract. Uh, you know, a lot of people I think believe that that is maybe you know, an underpay, you know, a very good contract for the Royals. But honestly, when you look at the situation, yes, Merrifield is a good player. He's also a late bloomer. Uh, and, you know, he's already into his 30s. And when you compare him to other people and to the projections of those of the salaries, it's right around in line with what he was projected to get throughout arbitration. And the the way that they structured this deal is honestly – pretty interesting as well um so for this year he's gonna be getting one million dollars followed by five million six point seven five and then he drops down to a 12 uh, to a sorry to a 2.75 million dollar salary in that final year uh if it goes to the full term and now what's interesting about this oh go ahead no, I was just going to say that is pretty interesting. It's going to drop off back down to two million at the, at the final year, and then it's going to on. Right. Well, what's interesting about it is you know you're talking about at that point he'll be getting into his mid to late thirties. Um, you know he'll mm-hmm. be hitting that kind of late thirties doorstep there, and a big part of Witt's game is you know that speed aspect. You know being able to get on base and, and steal bases. So you know is that still going to be a primary focus of his style of play at that point. That's a big question mark. Um, the second thing I think from a, an organizational standpoint, you would, ex- I, I think the front office Dayton Moore uh, expects this team to get back to competing, you know, sooner rather than later. And, you know, it's probably going to take a couple of years here to really become, you know, that playoff team again. So, Right now, while you, where you got the salaries, uh, the overall, uh, you know, the, the the team the team costs there, kind of going down at the moment. They can afford to pay 
Merrifield, you know, a little bit more during these next couple of seasons. But what makes this super interesting is if he is still as productive in that come that final season, then you have a player whose salary kind of dips a bit but can be a big impact at a really friendly, friendly rate, especially when you consider you'll have some other guys that potentially is going to have to be getting contract extensions of their own where they're making more money or the possibility of bringing in some free agents and you need that cap space to do so. Um, that's one aspect of it. You know, another thing that people have kind of been mentioning is, you know, this contract makes Merrifield more attractive than he already was as a potential trade option. And I think that's very true. I don't know that Dayton Moore really is intent on trading Merrifield, but I mean, you could have got a good haul for him as is right before this deal. Now this deal that, that team can control him for four years, that just upped your return package significantly because he's on a very team-friendly contract now. And so if, if, say, come the trade deadline this year, you have a contender that needs a second baseman, an outfielder, and doesn't have a lot of wiggle room in there, you can get a lot in return for Whit Merrifield at this point. Yeah, yeah, he's a great player. I mean, what would you put him top two or three second baseman in all of baseball? And they got him that cheap, which, I mean, it's a good deal for both sides of him because it gives him security right. over the next few years. You know, he's got financial security, and at the same time it gives Kansas City, you know, financial security on the, the aspect of, you know, they don't have to go into arbitration and risk giving him, you know, seven, eight million a year, you know, if he if he breaks out even more and has an even better season than what he's what he's showed, but exactly. um, I think it's a pretty good deal, pretty good deal on both sides. Um, but yeah, if if Kansas City does decide to uh, to trade him, put him on the block, yeah, I bet you guys could get a pretty good haul for him because he is so dynamic and could help any team. Any team would be happy to have him. Yeah, I think the people that are expecting uh, the team to look to Dill Merrifield, I think they should. I don't think they're far off, but I don't think that they should be expecting it in 2019. I think if come the 2020 trade deadline, the team hasn't made um, some steps forward as far as getting back into contention, then you've got to con- seriously consider your options and-, and looking at what you can get in return. But you know, this this next year and a half is going to tell a lot on where Merrifield is going to be, and along with other guys. You know, on the roster, obviously Salvador Perez probably being the biggest one there, because um, while the fan base loves them, while the team loves Wit and Salvi, you do have to think about you know your contention window at some point, and those guys aren't getting any younger. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that Merrifield is thirty years old. I know he hasn't been in the league that long. It would have been kind of nice for Kansas City if you know if he was you know, four or five years younger and just about to hit his prime. I mean, he could be a piece you guys could build toward, you know, build around for the future. Right. But I mean, even if, even if Kansas city does, you know, kind of turn it around here pretty quickly, he'd be, he'd be a nice piece to build around, but you know, he, he also could, you know, be a good trade candidate, get you guys a good return. <laughs> exactly. Now, another thing out of, uh, Kansas city, not as, um, positive, is that uh, Eric Scoglin 
got suspended 80 games. Uh, he tested positive uh, for some banned substances and will miss about half of the season. Uh, 26-year-old left-hander, you know, he got a taste of, you know, the big leagues over the last couple seasons. But, I mean, going into this year, the biggest thing that the Royals need is pitching. And so he was expected to be in that mix, certainly for a bullpen role, but possibly even a back-end rotation spot. So now you've got one less arm that is there to, you know, potentially fill a need. Um, It may not seem like a big deal. You know, some people may not even really know who Eric Scoglin is. But, you know, the team, I think, viewed him as a guy who could be you know, a part of that rotation. And anytime you lose a player like that, especially for something, you know, that's considered, you know, a, a very stupid reason, uh, it, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he's he's pretty young, too. I think, what is he, 26 years old? Yeah, 26. 26. 26. Yeah, so he's pretty young. He's got, a, he's got his whole career ahead of him. You just hate to see something like this happen. Um, especially whenever he, he he hasn't been around that long, you know. When, when did he make his debut? Twenty seventeen, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he would have been a he would have been a nice piece for you guys to have at the back of your back of your rotation, or maybe in your bullpen. Especially being a lefty, he had a little more value there. Um, but you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe he'll turn it around, you know, second half of the season and, and get another chance with the with the with the Royals and. Show what he's got. I mean, you'd like to you'd like to see this guy have a have a good uh, good career in Kansas City. Oh, certainly. Now, I want to use that as a kind of a transition there, Farron, into uh, this last little topic that we came up with for this show, and that is players like one player as we head into spring training that may not be on very many radars, but that could make an impact with both the Royals and the Cardinals. And I'm going to go ahead and start with this one, Farron, if you don't mind, because yeah. with that Eric Scoglin uh, situation, that does open up a potential um, roster spot for someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. And the name that I want to talk about, and there's probably going to be a lot of people that think I'm you know, jumping the gun, that maybe I'm off base, but I'm going to be paying attention to what Brady Singer does. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to, you know, break camp with the big league club, but I think he's got a definite opportunity here. You know, he was the Royals' first round pick out of Florida last year. Um, right. You know, they were really cautious with him, you know, l- limited uh, him to basically doing nothing after the College World Series. Um, I think it's because of how important he could be for this uh, team's, you know, next decade plus, uh, you know, outlook. And But I think he's in a spot where he could go out, he can raise some eyebrows, he can make a good impression in spring in the spring, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, on that double-A Northwest Arkansas roster uh, out of camp, and whenever you're there, you're knocking on the door of the big leagues. I mean, everyone, you know, obviously you think of AAA being, uh, you know, right there next to it. Specifically from the Royals, but I know it happens throughout baseball. 
you see a lot of guys make that jump from double A up to the bigs, especially for their first little cup of coffee. And I think if he, I think if he can get to the Naturals roster, then there's a very strong chance that you could see him in Kansas City in 2019. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty exciting. I mean, you get a young guy like that, you know, he could be, you know, it, it's kind of early to early to say what he, what he could be at the major league level, but you know, he's he's got the accolades in college and SEC pitcher of the year, college world series champion. I mean, you just don't you don't see those things too often. And if he if he does get the chance, you know, and break out for your major league club, I, I bet he could be a huge addition for you guys. Right. Well, I mean, he projects as a front-end guy and the Royals desperately need that you know they need an ace uh as much as i love danny duffy i think he's proven that he's more of a middle rotation guy um that is the de facto ace at this point um for the royals so to see singer really develop to really shine um you know even if his result you know if he gets to the majors in 2019 his results are not amazing if he can go up there Mm -hmm. and just hold his own and show that mentally He's ready for it. That will be huge whenever you're talking about going into 2020 and I think kind of that window where they want to truly be contenders, you know, 2020, 2021, right in there. Right, for sure, for sure. Um, I was going to let you know about a, about a guy on the Cardinals that I think could be, a, could be a breakout candidate this year. At some point this year, I'm not going to say he's going to be on the opening day roster. I mean, he could be. I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised, but I would give him a chance. And that would be uh, left-handed pitcher Genesis Cabrera. Um, I actually got to see him pitch when I was in Springfield without the pin baseball last season. He he started one game when when we were down there, and uh, he he's got some nasty stuff. You know, he's got a fastball that can reach 97. And he's got a nice slider that breaks real late. It could be a cutter, um, but he he'd be somebody to to keep an eye on. He is currently on the forty man roster, um, and if he if he did make the the major league club, it would be out of the bullpen. Um, when you, we have we currently have guys such as Chase and Sharif, Brett Cecil, Tyler Webb, um, Austin Gumber. Those are those are lefties that we currently have on the forty man. Uh, that are all going to be battling for a bullpen spot. So we don't want to overcrowd our bullpen with lefties. But if we get through spring training and you see somebody like Brett Cecil and Jason Shreve struggle, and if Cabrera does have a pretty hot spring, I mean, I could see him surprising everybody and kind of jumping in there and make the opening day roster. I mean, we kind of saw that with with Jordan Hicks last season. Um, he, He came up. From single A and skipped double A and triple A and just made the opening and made the opening day roster on the big league big league club. Um, I could see something like that happening with Cabrera if you know if like I said if Cecil doesn't work out and he has a terrible spring. I'm not sure what we'd do with him if we if we'd cut Cecil. He's got a couple years left in his contract, I believe. Yeah, so that'd be kind of shocked if we actually cut him. But um, but if you know Sharif or Tyler Webb struggle, I could I could see Cabrera making it and. Um, he had a really good Dominican winter league. Um, just pulling up his pull up his numbers here. I mean, he pitched over 14 innings and had like a 1.26 ERA and 
21 strikeouts to only two walks in the Dominican League, and that was you know all coming out of the bullpen. Right. Um, so I I think he could he could be a he could be a force out of the pen, and we're really looking for some for a, uh, somebody to solidify that second bullpen spot next to Andrew Miller. And I'm just not sure if, if Cecil or Sharif could do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at at it, like you said, um, you know, Cabrera got just a taste of AAA. It seems last year, uh, spent most yeah. of his time at the AA level. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he 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 spent most of the time at, at AA last year. He did get a little taste of AAA, but. Um, but he he's got some nasty stuff. I mean, he he almost reminds me of a left-handed Carlos Martinez. Gotcha. And you know, he's still he's still a prospect. Um, there's no telling what what he could do at the major league club, major league level. I mean, he could he could totally not work out. But yeah. but it's it's just somebody to somebody to keep an eye on because you never know. And he's got the pitches um, that you know he, he looks really he looks really good. And I would I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I do believe that he will be on the major league club at some point in 2019. Whether whether or not that's opening day is to be seen, but but I think at some point he's going to get called up to the major league club this season. Yeah, well, and he's he's 22 years old, so obviously he's young. Uh, I think the name that you mentioned there that I was going to try to get to is Carlos Martinez. It's going to be very mm-hmm. interesting to see, you know, what his role is as he's you know trying to make his way back this year. You know, I think there's a lot of people. Um, talking about and we you know we talked to Springfield Cardinals radio broadcaster on the last out of the pin baseball podcast you know and he said he's not sure he he could see him being in the rotation or just as likely to be in the bullpen as well if Carlos Martinez has to come out of the bullpen you know what do you think that could do for the potential of as far as Cabrera and and making that big league roster is concerned yeah, I mean, it would just it would be that much harder for him to make the big league roster because I don't I don't think Cabrera would make it as a starter. I know he did start most of his games in the minor leagues, but he'd be a piece that would come out in the bullpen for the for the big league club, and I think that's where they're gonna make let him focus on is coming out of the pen, get him prepared for that. But um, but regarding going back to Martinez. Um, yeah, I could see him being in the bullpen, but if I had to put my money on it, I would I would put him as a starter. That's where I see him at, and that's what the that's what St. Louis told him last season. You know, he had moved to the pen at the end of last year because of an injury, and um, he came back early from that injury. Is what the deal was, and they said you can come back early. We'll put you in the pen. That way, you can go ahead and pitch and help us. And he he was a closer for us at the end of the season. And moving into 2019, you'll be in our starting rotation. That was that's what the decision was at that time. But but yeah, I do agree. Things could change, and he could end up in the bullpen. But I I would be shocked if he was not a starter come opening day. I'd see him probably at the number two spot behind Michaelis. I mean, I think that the Cardinals definitely would want Martinez, you know, mm-hmm. in that starting rotation. Uh, you know, that's obviously kind of the most desirable outcome. However, you know, like I think me and you kind of talked about this on the last show. It's kind of an uncertainty who's going to be in that closer role for St. Louis right now. So, if for some reason he struggles, you know, as a starter in spring training, would it be the worst thing to for him to you know take over that ninth inning spot, you know, for the, this Cardinals team, you know, that definitely is looking to 
you know, try to win a National League Central championship this year. Um, you know, I, I let, let me get your answer on that, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm looking at this um, situation. Yeah, I mean, if he does, if Carlos Martinez does struggle in spring training, you know, I could see them starting him out in the bullpen to start the year and, and see what, just to see what happens. Um, maybe he would stick there. I'm not sure, but I, I think he has more value to the Cardinals coming out of the rotation. I mean, he's a former all-star. He's got all, he's got tons of potential. He's still pretty young, yeah. 26, 27 years old. Um, got his whole career ahead of him still. And, you know, I'd hate to see a guy like that move to the bullpen. Um, but but I think I think we have some other options at closer, but we don't, we don't have anybody for sure at that at that at that closer spot. Right now, you know, age wise, this is going to be a huge factor, and obviously, I don't think Martinez has the same injury history quite yet. Now, you know, that's not to say that he's not, you know, at risk of getting to this same spot. But I think back to uh, Chris Carpenter. And, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Cardinals fan, but obviously I'm friends with a lot of Cardinals fans, and, and we talked Cardinals baseball a lot. And I I was saying for a very long time, man, they should make Carpenter their closer. But they kept trying to get him back in the rotation, kept trying to get him back in the rotation, and eventually it was just too much, right? I mean, he and that was kind of it. I think if they had put him right. in that bullpen, not only would he have thrived, I think he would have – you know, added some length onto his career. A- am I off base with this thinking, Farron? I mean, could this be a similar situation? Like I said, you know, obviously the age uh, of the two players does not line up, but I think we do have some similarities there. Well, the way I've always viewed working out of the bullpen, I mean, I could be wrong, but, but I've always thought of working out of the bullpen actually being harder on you. Because, I mean, you could pitch two or three days in a row, or, I mean, even four or five days in a row. It just kind of depends. And with Carlos Martinez being so young, um, I think it would be worse for him to work out of the, work out of the pen. You know, he's going he's gonna to be, you know, working every other day and then going to the pen, and then he's going to be throwing it as hard as he can. And with his injury history, I'd like to see him stay in the rotation, honestly, because – when he started out at the major league level, I mean, he was, this was a couple, a few years ago at least, he was throwing about 98 to 100 miles an hour about every fastball, you know, and we saw a few times he was getting 101, Carlos was. And last season, he had slowed his fastball way down to about, I want to say it was about 95, 96, and you could see his control come back, and he had a, he had a whole lot better control with that fastball and his uh overall he just he looked a whole lot better until he got hurt so i mean it's it's to be seen i think spring training is going to tell us a whole lot with this guy what is what he's going to be for this big league club uh moving forward certainly and we're going to find that out here in a few short weeks with spring training right around the corner it's what just a couple weeks until pitchers and catchers report So we're we're knocking on the door, and it's definitely something that we here at the I seventy podcast are going to be paying attention to over the month of February. Is how did these two rosters in both Kansas City and St. Louis, you know, shape out as we head into the twenty nineteen season? Uh, I think there's still some big time question marks. I think 
you know, we talked about those unsigned guys and, and, and a player that we talked about on our very first show, Mike Moustakis, still floating around out there. Not a lot of chatter about him. So, yeah, that is kind of, you know, we could kind of shocking. We could, uh, we, you know, I'm going to be watching that because I think, you know, he's a, a fit definitely for the Royals. Um, he could help boost that surge back into contention. Um, so I think, you know, th- there's a lot. Hopefully that will happen between now and the next podcast there, uh, Farron. I know I'm looking forward to maybe seeing the needle move a little bit and, and getting, you know, some of those late transactions going and kind of getting that hype going as we enter the season. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see the offseason take off. I mean, we've got so many free agents available that could be on. I mean, you could field a really good major league roster with all the right. with all the free agents that are available. I saw some, somebody posted that on Twitter. You know, I mean, you could take all the free agents that are available and you could fill the whole roster with it and, and contend. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of good guys out there still. You know, I mean, you still have Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, a lot of good guys out there, and we'd just like to see them get signed here pretty soon. Certainly, certainly. So, guys, you know, as we're kind of keeping track, stay up to date with the I-70 podcast. You can find us uh, with Out of the Pen Baseball. Check out the website. It is outofthepinbaseball.com. You can find our past episodes there. You can also find us on pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Just look for the MTMV Sports podcasting network that is my team my voice and you'll be able to find us there as well Uh, we will be coming to you again uh, the first saturday of march so you know mark your calendars to chat about what has hopefully been an exciting spring training and end of free agency uh, for the cardinals and the royals Uh, farron before we sign off man where can people contact you where they can where can they follow you at on social media yeah you guys uh, can follow me on twitter it's uh at farron pjr my personal account i also have a cardinals account i, I post cardinals nonsense on it's uh at cardinals take at cardinals take awesome and guys you can follow me at eric boston three that is at eric boston and the number three uh, also follow the out of the pin baseball twitter account it is at OTP baseball. So, you know, you can definitely find our content on there as well. And we will be looking forward to seeing what goes on and talking with you guys next month about uh, our favorite baseball teams here in the state of Missouri, being the Cardinals and the Kansas city Royals. We will talk to you guys next month.